Welcome to episode 15 of the Best Side Podcast. It's pretty cool. Catching up with serial entrepreneur and all-round GC, Mr. Hemi Coates. Now, a lot of people, especially in Taranaki, have discovered upon Eat a Rainbow, uh, which is a pretty cool idea, helping parents save time and preparing lunches and things for at home, uh, but also at school too. Not only that, but Manaki Tours, another wicked venture that the bro has going on. And throughout our quarter, we speak about many things, I guess the influence of uh, parents who are entrepreneurs, uh, the influence of family as a whole, and the little things that one needs to have in place and one needs to be open to when it comes having serial um, business ideas and putting your mind forward and putting a lot of things into action. Perhaps you've got things that you've been wanting to do or had in the pipeline. This is some tangible advice uh, to actually applying that and how school isn't everything when it comes to running a successful business. So make sure you enjoy this one. Uh, there's also a bit of a quote all about Huntington's disease, uh, which you'll discover throughout this conversation as well. So check it out, Fano, episode 15 for the Best Side Podcast. This is Hear Me Coats. Just run with it. So I always like to start from the very, very start yeah, of things, like bro. That. So yeah, cool. uh, maybe take, yeah, yeah. take us back to maybe... Um, you growing up and stuff, tell me about yourself as a kid, how many siblings and all that sort of thing. Yes, yeah, mum, dad. So, grew up in, um, well, actually, I was, I was born in Colorado. Oh, true. <laughs> yeah, oh, so sweet. I was, I was one of the last babies born at the, um, at the old um, birthing clinic that was there before they got taken away, and then now all the babies were born since. Like, I'm pretty sure I was the last week of the babies being born there. <laughs> and then they, and then now they all go to Fakatani. But anyway, I was born there, um, went to Tetekul Primary School. Um, which was a bilingual um, education back then, still is now. Um, went there from uh, start of school till intermediate, end of intermediate. So I went there. I was there the, the entire time. Yeah. My nan was the principal of of Tetekul Primary. Dangerous for a long time. <laughs> yeah, she was there for yeah, she was there for a long time and was it was. Yeah, it was pretty full on. She's she's a pretty strong woman, and all of us, um, oh, us three siblings. So there's me. Um, I'm the middle child. My I've got an older sister, who's a year older than me, um, and a younger sister who's a few years younger than me. Um, yeah, we we lived in Onipu, which oh, is a pretty small, another even smaller place. Yeah, in, yeah. Um, in the eastern Bay of Plenty, um, near between Kaworo and Titikul, basically, and yeah, grew up on a ten acre kind of lifestyle block and farm farm animals and kind of heaps of stuff going on there dad worked at the mill in Colorado. oh yeah he worked there for, it was he got his first job there when he was what, 20 or 19 or whatever and he's last year retired from there so he's worked there his entire life from go to work still there now so he just left oh yeah yeah he's just left and my mum she was basically brought us up um, when dad was going to work pretty traditional kind of story behind um the work life balance of dad's working at a mill and mum kind of staying home with babies. the babies and then she got into real estate and then started a real estate company in Fakatani and and has kind of just kind of always been in the admin space of real estate in and around the eastern bay of plenty so well yes they kind of grew up with influences of like yeah. entrepreneurism or mm. a bit of hustlers around you kind of in many aspects. yeah and um like thinking about thinking about that and like my dad definitely not like he was he was always a big um and he still is a big fan of um kind of you know you go to work you get a you get a good job and then you get money you, and support you, you work for your time and uh, you get paid for your time sorry and then and then you support your family and that's kind of like in a traditional way that's still kind of in me as well because there's like two kind of ways in which i've looked at life and jobs and things like that from a, from a while ago but um so that's that definitely was a big part of me growing up, knowing that I needed to get a job and 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 get money, because you know that was the safe way to do things. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, mum was always kind of just, yeah, I don't know. She she didn't start the real estate company until a little bit later on in life. So she was just kind of working in admin, doing her thing, um, helping. Well, he she was basically driving us around everywhere, doing everything that we wanted. As mums do. do, as mums do, like yeah, yeah. yeah, like in that sense, like very traditional man, yeah, and so um, yeah, went to Tetekul school, then went to Fakatani High School, 
um, I was, as I said, Tetukul Primary was like a, you learn in Māori, um, it's a Desai 1 primary school, like there's um, a lot of um, families around that area, like back then and even still now, like struggling socioeconomically, like as you can imagine. Um, so a lot of your lot, friends lot and of stuff gang like influence. that? Yeah, like the, we weren't really involved, like we were involved in the community, but we weren't really, um, did, we didn't really get involved with like, like we didn't have friends groups that like we'd just go to their houses all the time when we were young oh, yeah. and growing up we kind of went to marae we had a lot of family around so our friends were our family in a way we never really um hung out with school friends back then it was i don't know why it was probably just something that mum and dad actually were often quite like oh actually you probably shouldn't go around to their house because there'd been stories of mm. you know some pretty it could be as well like happening. a lot of people that I speak to um, it seems like they do have a lot of friends and stuff I guess because they're sort of they don't have much of a tūranga waiwai going yeah. on you know whereas yeah. you guys had a really strong tūranga waiwai yeah, man. so there yeah. was kind of no reason to maybe I don't know yeah, maybe there's yeah. a bit of a trade off you know no, you're, you're probably right and I haven't thought about it too much but um, in that sense we, we definitely were quite a close family and we had heaps of family around like I said because me, so, if I just kind of look at it from a mirror perspective, yeah. I grew up here on the yeah. west coast, uh, but being from the east coast, yeah. so that's where all my yeah, yeah. papa and my home oh, and it's all. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Tikaha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm from well, quite lucky. My Fano is actually from Waiho Bay, um, yeah. but my um, Koro Fano and Fano Tikaha. So we kind of get to claim both, I guess. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we have the, you know, I was born and bred here, yeah. but that's always been home. You know, when I say I'm going home, yeah, talk yeah, about yeah, shooting yeah, over there because yeah. we've got strong ties still over there. But, um, you're growing up here and not having a lot of that around. Like I was always at friends' houses and always yeah, doing yeah. stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, that's yeah. Why I've never thought about that before. Whereas yeah. obviously you grew up at home with yeah. a lot of that there already. Yeah, so maybe yeah. there was, I don't, I don't want to say incentive or reason, but I guess less of a need maybe yeah. to go out and, cause there you, was, had, you yeah. all had it on your doorstep. Yeah, yeah, and like, yeah, we kind of were involved in, in the school and got really, because, you know, my nan was a principal, yeah, she was very much, and dad was on the board of trustees, and oh, yeah. it was kind of like a, a community kind of thing, you know, so we were pretty involved with everything that was happening at school, yeah. but we did live out of Titikul, so down the road at Winnipeg, so we weren't like... And we were in the middle of nowhere, so we weren't really like just, oh, pop around to walk to my mate's house, because <laughs> we were in the middle yeah. of the country, you know, so, yeah. But, um, but yeah, um, went to Whakatane High School, went all the way through there, and then um, went down to Dunedin um, and studied um, phys ed and a, commerce, a business management degree and a, and a phys- physical education degree, basically. Yep. <laughs> went down there, um, followed my sister down there. She was down there um, studying law at the time, um, and I was like, at the end of high school, like, what do we do kind of thing, and then ended up getting into the phys ed school down there so I went down there but then decided to do a business management degree because I had an interest in being my own boss and yeah. like you know all of that sort of stuff so you did and, them at the same time or did you... them at the same yeah. time so I got a double degree in um, business business management and marketing and um, and a physical education degree as well in sports and leisure studies mm. yeah so did that um, was education always big in your whānau was it was yeah. it quite strongly emphasised in the house yeah it was definitely like especially my um kind of following in the footsteps of my older sister who's a very much a high achiever in that, in that <laughs> yeah. um regard she's i've got um, one of those i've got two of those oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i've got a, i've got two brothers that like that too but yeah 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 so like and yeah our parents put a lot of pressure on us and like would sit down with us all the time and like and just look go over the year and and the grades that we got and cool. if we ever failed anything it would be like well actually we didn't fail anything it just never it never happened it was always came close but we never you yeah, know yeah. never mum and dad would always kind of like show a lot of interest in that what yeah which was good like i i was pretty illiterate to be fair when i started high school i was um like what do you mean what do you mean give us some examples well i, I remember dad like sitting me down at one point when i was probably the age of being an intermediate and he was like okay cool let's read this and it was like the newspaper and he was just like, oh, I better show a bit of interest in this. And, and I was, I just, I distinctly remember picking up the newspaper, man, and like, just looking at it and trying to read. And I, I just couldn't put it together. And I, for, yeah, I just couldn't put it together. And it was the first time I, I remember it. I distinctly remember being like, wow, I'm, 
terrible at reading. I, I can't actually read. I'm not. And it probably it was probably due to the fact that like, I comparative to my sister, like my sister just read books her entire entire life. She's <laughs> yeah, always yeah, had a book yeah. in front of her, and I was like, I'm gonna go outside and do yeah. This, I was gonna say you sound like you were in the mud. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I was just like I was always outside doing doing crazy stuff. So, um, and that that probably like well it directly translated into me not being able to read. So yeah, I went into high school being pretty undergunned in the English language, but I was I was okay. Like I could speak and converse and all that, but um, yeah, I just worked hard and pushed through it, and then learned to play the game of assessments and things like that. And I, I kind of feel like it is a bit of a game as well, like you know, school. And if you learn to play it, then then it's just it's you just learn the different things you need to do to pass, all right? And then, yeah, yeah, for sure. And you you learn about I reckon about and especially at uni, this is probably no uh, no better example of is like you, you can you, you learn to know what other people want to hear. Yeah, I reckon I learned that pretty early on, and I learned how to tell people what they wanted to hear pretty pretty quickly. Uh, yeah, and I feel like that was just a game it wasn't real life <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it wasn't this like, is uni yeah this is uni yeah. uni especially um and a lot of people probably agree with that if they actually think about it you know it's yeah a lot of it's lot amazing of times, what you can what you can do if you get people to like you yeah and, <laughs> and like that and like you just read between the lines with questions and stuff and then you realise oh actually this is just an undergraduate degree this isn't real high level thinking stuff so if you can just kind of piece what they want to hear together in a certain way which is the same formula as that last course that you did you're going to pass really well mm. and and that was something I learned pretty early on but then you got out into the real world in terms of like the business side of things like I learned more in the last two years, three years of being a business owner than like the five years I was at in Dunedin studying, you know, business management or the three yeah. years or whatever it takes. And like, that's just because it's just it, like these things that you learn, you learn how to, like, I, I felt like I was playing the game, the game that I was talking about back mm. at uni, but then as soon as you get into the real world and I actually... It's not a to, game anymore. Oh, it's not a game. Like, <laughs> like you're not trying to... Um, you know, you're not trying to pass an assessment. Like, you're actually just trying to make something that people like and people mm. can buy into an idea that, especially when you're a business owner, right? It's like, it's all about other people buying into your idea. And when you can't convince those people, you're like, oh, I failed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of, like, the, the word fail or failure, yeah. um, can you tell us about some, I guess, some of the big ones you can think of that you've, you've had along the way because I know when you start out in yeah. business and stuff like that man you run into a lot oh yeah, um, yeah. maybe no. share some of those with us that you've come across or kind of some that stick out or some you've learned your biggest lessons from yeah probably just um, underestimating the time it takes I think that's uh, I don't know I reckon I'm from I mean a lot of us are from a generation where we've learnt that you can get things really quickly and mm. we kind of expect that that hastiness and all like you know that everything to be fast yeah um and i expected business to be like that as well and i expected like seriously bro i expected to build a website and for people to just come flooding out <laughs> you know and we were so naive like when we look back at when we started manaki adventures which is um our student tourism business me and my um old high school where well, he's a high school teacher as well we were teaching it well i'm I, I did six years teaching in a, in a high school in Hamilton okay. um, after uni, went back to um, went back to teacher's college, did a year post-grad teaching, ended up becoming a phys ed teacher. Um, at high school? At Hamilton Boys High School. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so well, me and... Pretty Nikki, big school for sport, eh? Massive, yeah, yeah. So that was like a bit of a no-brainer as well. So I'd actually, I'd finished my... My teacher's college, I was like, yeah, okay, I'm going to be a PE teacher. <laughs> yep. Here we go, I'm going to be a PE teacher. So I did that um, and then ended up getting a couple of job offers through, in Auckland. I did that up in Auckland. Um, all my friends were up there, so I decided to move up there. <laughs> and then um, got this job offer in Hamilton, at Hamilton Boys High, and was didn't know much about the school at all, um, apart from the fact that it was super big on sport. 
So it was a bit of a no-brainer. It was a bit of a tough move to move away from friends and things like that. We didn't know anyone in Hamilton. Nicky and I had been together for a couple of years. Um, we, we met at uni quite early on in the piece. Um, and so we were both in Auckland together. I decided to take her away from all of her friends and everything <laughs> and like just be like, hey. Was that, an easy, was that an easy sell? I got this job in Hamilton. Yeah, let's go to Hamilton. And I was like, oh, really? <laughs> so anyway, anyway, we moved to Hamilton. Um, took the job there and loved it. Like you know, um, just got fully into you know first second year teaching. It was just like you just want to impress and just do everything and say yes to everything. So I did and made myself ridiculously busy. But I was super energetic and into that. And then um, slowly over time, I kind of started having the after about three or four years. I don't know of like doing the same thing every single year and rolling out the same thing. I just started getting. A little bit like itchy feet again. I don't know what it was, but there's something about that. I just kind of like the money was getting better because every year of teaching you get more money, mm. and it just starts getting you know better and better. Yep. Yeah, and then I reckon about four years into being there, I um we had this because we we ran an outdoor education program at Hamilton Boys High School. I was involved with a with another friend of mine who was a head of department at that time. And we had an exchange student come through our program um, from uh, Germany. And he came through and he, he sat down with us. And there's a big, a big long list of kids wanting to do this course. It's like a really exclusive course. And and we said, oh, mate, why should we choose you? Like, you know, the classic kind of yep. teacher, you, you impress me, tell us why we should choose you. And he's like, oh, yeah, I've never really been in the outdoors that much. I've grew up in a city of, you know, millions and millions of people and my outdoors is like concrete jungle and so we were like mate you're in we'll show you good we'll show you the outdoors in New Zealand and so develop the passion for that um and at that moment we were like there must be other international kids that have the same experience you know they're from these concrete jungles of billions of you know countries with billions of people in like China and like and yeah, yeah. And you know first thing I thought was Japan like yeah. crazy yeah man and like they and they come over and a lot of them that are studying in New Zealand like don't actually get to see a lot of the outdoors stuff and yeah we they see all those pictures don't they online yeah. and stuff and they very rarely yeah. actually go and experience it yeah totally and they never really get amongst like kind of the cultural side of New Zealand as well like they never really interact with a lot of Maori culture anyway while they're here and and they're just like we could do something about this. So we started the Manaki Adventures, which was, um, which we did for probably three years, um, teaching, full-time teaching, um, and doing everything else that comes with teaching, like sport and everything like that. And yeah. then on the, in our weekends, we would take kids away, skiing in the mountain, we'd take them to the marae, we'd take them like, and kind of just take them all around New Zealand and try and build a business around like showing these internationals, these Predominantly so you, Asian so kids. You'd meet them through the school? Like they'd so come to the to school? To start with, yeah. To start with, they were um, kids that were coming to just the Waikato schools in general. Okay. And then we um, we were like, okay, we can do holiday programs, we can do weekend programs. And so we cre- that's when we created this website and expected people to just be like um, throwing money at us. And then we, um, yeah, we came to the point where it was just like, okay, this isn't working. We need to like do something about it. So we spent, <laughs> talking about making mistakes, we just chucked money at the wrong thing at that point in time. Like we were throwing money at things that we thought were super important, but in the long run, it in was... In terms of marketing or yeah, just the overall yeah. business? And probably in terms of the overall business, in terms of marketing as well. Like we were throwing money at, um, you know, ads on Facebook and Google and stuff like that, which... Now would probably work, but back then when we mm. all first started out, it just it doesn't didn't mean anything. Like we didn't even really understand the game of tourism. Yep. Back then, like, and so we it's had the to same find the thing. people you wanted. Yeah, exactly, and we we it's the same thing. Like, you had to, we had to learn a whole new game and then play by those rules, and a whole new rules of those games. So, so we started networking, and that was like, one hundred percent the thing that got us that our business to where it is now. It's just meeting people so in what way like you put yourself into certain meetings or you go <laughs> yeah. on to certain gatherings so, or? and pick up the phone and like call people and say hey i'm gonna gonna come and come and chat to you so with that it was probably more meeting the um international um deans of the schools oh, yeah. initially so and meeting principals of schools and then we put ourselves out there and now we're um 
now we decided to grow out of the servicing New Zealand students and now we get full international groups from overseas so for example uh, um, we've got a group here at the moment um, touring around um, the North Island with my business partner um, from Tianjin which is a school in China yeah yeah um, and uh, and yeah and they've come from um, well that that whole side of the business is, is what we do now it's kind of all we do now as well we just get international kids in and show them around New Zealand and then they fly out so it's kind of a fly in fly out whirlwind nine days eight days and we get you know a whole bunch of groups from all around the world now coming in wicked and that's purely because we started like doing that networking and and <clears throat> going to like trip spending the money to travel overseas and meet these principals and shake their hands and 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 talk to them and, <laughs> and get to know like their where did you go to first need. so we went to this well it's actually <clears throat> this was kind of a bit of a master stroke actually because we we sponsor this fair it's a job fair so uh if you're teaching on the international scene yeah you can go to this um what they call job fairs for okay. international teachers and at these job fairs there's like 140 to 160 international schools there so all of these principals of all these schools go to one venue and then all of these teachers go to one venue and they're all there to get jobs at each other's schools and so we sponsored the fair so so we got to network with 160 principals and they all heard your name all in one place and we got on a stage and spoke about what we did so it was like hitting our target customer directly and shaking their hands with them and having a beer with them so we got to do all the networking like Dan and I would walk into a room at these fairs and just be like, you go that way, I'll go this way, see you at the end. And we'd just network and just talk to all these people and ask about their school and any programs they run, whether or not they'd be interested. And so... And how did you get onto, how did you get into that fair? So Dan was actually going to teach on the international scene before getting into Monarchy Adventures. And so he had heard of Search Associates and then we were kind of in contact with them. And it was just an idea that we were like, how do we get a more bang for buck? So how do you, how do we reach all of these teachers? How, how do you do that? You know, they're all around the world. We can't fly to every school. So where do they meet? And then it was like, okay, well, they all come together to this one point. Why can't we just hit them there? Then we looked at who's sponsoring the fair and there was only um, an insurance company and another kind of investment company. And we were like... There's no, there's no one else like us there. Let's just go and see what happens. And first year, admittedly, it was like, you guys are quite random. Why are you here? Second year, it's been great. Like, people knew who we were. They expected to hear from us. And people were way more interested. Third year, I'm going back there in a couple of weeks' time. Um, yeah, it'll be even better, you know. So we've had good traction from that. Um, and, yeah, so that's kind of happening. And now it's just, it's just kind of... Once a group comes, it seems like they want to come back every second year. So it's kind of once you get one, it's a lot of there's a lot of work into getting a tour across the line. Yeah. But it's a good return, and when they come, they usually will be coming Keep back because kids move through the school. Um, same as rugby tours, we've started Monarchy rugby tours as well, um, and so we're running. Um, and th- that fell in our lap as well. So we had a group inquire about doing a rugby tour to New Zealand and we're like oh we haven't really looked into that and we started going down the rabbit hole of um, you know piecing together an awesome rugby tour and we sent it off to them and they were just like this sounds like amazing and so they came and we hadn't done this we hadn't done this this before this is what we could do yeah this is what we could do it's just an idea and we were like let's just run with it see how far it can go and now so now we've got basically we split the business into two Monarchy Rugby Tours Monarchy Adventures and the rugby tour side of things is doing really well we're getting inquiries all the time about um rugby rugby teams rugby like from um doing really basic tours where they just play and play local schools um get some coaching from local coaches do some team building stuff um in the outdoors um and we've kind of built that up to including um like we had a semi well it was a professional japanese women's team come earlier in the year and we organised a sevens tournament with um, some women's sevens team from around the, from around New Zealand and okay. stuff like that. So it's like um, that's grown and that 
in that respect as well and it's kind of came from just an idea and we just kind of followed our noses on that one and it kind of grew organically as well it kind of came from nothing well um because i know like it's easy to have that kind of enthusiasm at the beginning because it's all new and it's all fresh and and and, um if you've kind of got that for lack of a better term at the moment that kind of entrepreneurship sort of gene in you the uncertainty is kind of exciting Mm. like you know you kind of the, the mundane nine to five yeah. um, can kind of be a bit scary. So whereas you find excitement in the uncertainty, you don't know what to get the next day, whereas a lot of other people are the other way around. They yeah. find certainty in the nine to five and other yeah. stuff scares them. So what keeps you excited? Like why why continue with the tours and stuff like that? What juices you up when getting these international shooters in? What's exciting about Yeah, to be, to be honest, I think like I, I've taken a big step back with Manaki. Yeah. Um, and it's probably because the time factor on that was, was pretty tough on, on the family. but And also, um, we didn't have enough money to pay Dan and I both a full-time salary. Like, I'm going to be honest with you. like we were. Dan took a big leap of faith and fully removed himself from teaching and just dived in headfirst into Manaki, which was like a massive step in anyone's, in anyone's life. Four, he's got four kids and was like, okay, well, I'm going to commit to this and just give it a good nudge. And, um, and it's amazing that he did that, right? Like, but I was kind of still, uh, we can't both afford us, so I'm going to carry on teaching. So I carried on teaching for a little bit. And then um, we reached a point where um, I really wasn't enjoying it. And I had kind of come to my end of my like run with teaching at that time. I kind of got over the certainty I was getting like kind of a bit of itchy feet to what's next this is kind of going to be it so um that's when that's when my wife Nikki she was teaching at the time or she was sorry looking after our daughter at the time we'd had our firstborn and then Nikki um a job came up to be a dietitian so she's a trained dietitian so she decided to jump into that as a job came up back in Fakatani so she took that which was great for her and she, it really really helped her and she loved it um and I was a stay-at-home dad for like a year and a half, a year, a year wow. and a bit. Yeah, so I just took time off. I just stopped working, which was so hard. Yeah. It's uh, so challenging. Just used to being on the go. And yeah, stuff like that. just always thinking and just up. like... And then I had to like train myself. I had to actively work hard at not working mm. around my daughter when I was with her because she was one and a... Between one and two and a half, I was with her at home. Um, not full time, but um, three days a week. Yeah. And I was like, still really wanting to throw all of my time and effort <laughs> into these businesses or these business ideas, but I had to like, kind of just relax and um, and that wasn't easy, man. Like that was really hard actually because I'm used to, as you can imagine, being quite like just ideas, ideas, ideas. Always wanted to throw my time and effort into like something and yeah. relationships with someone else. And like, just, I mean, I've only been sitting with you like not even half an hour, but I would get the feeling that you, yeah. your cogs always spinning. Yeah, yeah, mine doesn't really shut off. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky Nicky, yeah. Yeah, oh, poor Nicky. Um, yeah, but anyway, like Harper's really helped ground me. That's our daughter. Like I just. I'm really good now at like just kind of blocking stuff and and like time blocking stuff. Well, I I still am yet to get better at it. I'm mm. getting better at like kind of making sure that I'm organised and efficient with the time that I spend on something. So on my business, I'll like focus on that and work really hard and just be like kind of try and get into state of flow of work and then um, as fast as possible. And then um, when I'm with her, just spend time. Just, just do silly things and not, not take myself too seriously. Just be present with just your daughter. Just be present. I think that's it. Yeah, yeah. And that was that was that was big. That was hard. That was hard, definitely hard. And then being the whole stay at home dad kind yeah. of stigma as well. I was about to ask stigma. about that. Like, if you encountered yeah. any any of that, that was probably internally. It was probably my own mind, oh, okay. like probably being like. What am I doing? Like, rah, rah, but what will people think? Was that yeah, yeah, probably that, and I don't, I think it was probably more me trying to think that I was like too good for this, but I'm not. I'm not. Like, there wasn't actually any better place I I should have been right at that time, mm. and I still spend a lot of time with her because we're um, obviously setting up this new business as well, and and um, you know we spend 
three days a week working on that and so we still spend a lot of time with her but Nikki's kind of gone back to slip back to being the primary carer yeah but there was definitely <laughs> there was definitely like I, was, I probably felt like there was more people judging me than there actually was you know but yeah. in reality people don't care like there's no one that cares more about what's going on in your life than me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was actually at the gym this morning and I was catching up with a mate and, and we were talking about it. And um, I've had similar conversations obviously around different things, but yeah. I, I call it the boogeyman theory. Yeah, like when, yeah. you, when you're a kid and you get told about the boogeyman yeah. and it freaks you out, but it's probably because you've never seen it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you, so you kind of picture the worst and you imagine yeah. the worst, but then when you actually see, like, and I guess if you write it now, like to, to being a... Um, an adult when you actually see the problem or acknowledge the problem or face yeah. the problem it's not as bad as yeah. you painted in your head yeah. it's like the boogeyman when you yeah, totally. someone, yeah. someone you you hear about the boogeyman the attributes of the boogeyman it freaks you out yeah. someone shows you a picture you're kind of like oh is that all like, oh, it doesn't like yeah. I'm, that's just uh, I've had that a couple instances and yeah it sounds like you kind of went through a bit of that with, yeah yeah and Nikki talked me through that as well you know because she had been at home she'd gone from teaching full time which isn't an easy job, and and then she went into like you know, and a lot of mothers do, nothing. They it's just you and baby for a year and year and a half, two years, or however long it takes you to decide that I'm out. I'm going back to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like she, yeah, she, she had to talk me through that at the start because I, I was like, I just want I'll be on my phone. <laughs> you should be playing right next to me, asking you to play with me, and I'm like, oh, actually, yeah, how the hell I should be doing that? Like, just forget about it. So you said earlier, like that you had to actually you know, um, try. Like, yeah. it didn't come, like, the, nah. you, you had to catch yourself slipping. You've mentioned the yeah. phone there. Did you actually, like, yeah. kind of have to put in any systems or anything to kind of pull yourself up or recognise when yeah. you were not being present? Yeah, so yeah. it was just, like I say, it was that, um, don't get you, don't get your computer out. Like, you know, just... Keep it locked like, away. Just, yeah, just put it away. And, like, when she goes to sleep, because she will, you know, she'll go to sleep during the day that's when you become like uber efficient at doing things yeah, because yeah. you know you've got an hour and a half or she sleeps for an hour to just smash it out and that's when you learn to become really efficient and I reckon I, I still needed you know you want to get better at doing that obviously because yeah. that's that's the key I reckon to having that kind of work-life balance is being super efficient with the time that you do have and just smashing out smashing out as much as you can and doing a good job of it still because yeah, you don't yeah. want the quality to come down because then that's probably one of the biggest it's not going to help you I don't no not at all no but um but yeah that's and then um yeah since I mean since moving here I mean when we were in, we were in, in Whakatane that's when we came up with the idea of, of Eat a Rainbow as well in this new business that we've got going on um and it's it's really exciting actually like Nikki and I came up with that idea um, when she was working as a dietitian in Fakatane and you know noticed a lot of parents struggling with food and and healthy eating and and all that and what I, were some of the biggest obstacles I mean I have to be honest I don't have any children so yeah. a lot of parents that are listening <laughs> yeah. they'll probably be thinking you know it's pretty obvious but me yeah. and there'll be some other people too listening yeah, that yeah. don't have a clue so what were some of the big obstacles that people were being faced I, I know that time's a big issue yeah, just I mean, not enough time I mean, just think about like time cruising and everyone everyone feels like they don't have any time nowadays right they've always and they're always like they're, the goalposts have changed for people at work now like because we've gotten so efficient at doing things the expectation is that we get Do more done yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know and so it's just like the like technology and all that sort of stuff has like helped us a lot but in, in a lot of ways it's kind of just changed the goalposts you know and it means that it's you know so people are busier, put it, and so when they get home from work, or yeah, they may have big mortgages and they're having to, you know, having to actually have more income coming into their household, and so they're being forced back to work, and these things which are pretty kind of unfairly put on people, yeah, due to um kind of just society at this point in time, but um yeah. At the end of the day, people are time poor and they um, still want to have feed their kids healthy food. Right? No one wants to just kind of throw rubbish food at their kids because they're at that point in their lives that, well, 
I say no one. I, I mean, a lot, a lot of, people, of us. A lot of yeah, us. Yeah. A lot of us like to feed, like to want to know or think that we're feeding out. We're doing the best for our kids, right? So, mm-hmm. um, and our whole thing about this business is if you can afford to spend the time to sit down and cook a meal with your kid, like that's the best thing ever. And if you can do that, do it. The thing is, like every single day, seven days a week, to do that is a big ask for parents nowadays because of all those time pressures. So we're saying to people, you know, three or four days a week, do that with your kids. Make a meal, sit down with them, you know, spend the time, you know, talking about the actual ingredients, blah, blah, blah. But for two days a week, you know, this is the next best option. If you're struggling with time, pull this out of the freezer um, or, or, you know, we, we deliver them fresh to people's houses. But um, the idea is that people will put these meals that we've made in the freezer and on those real busy nights, they pull them out and um, put them in the microwave the oven. Instead of, yeah, instead of doing that. And th- don't get me wrong, like doing the takeaway thing, and Nikki will vouch for this, and she's a dietitian. You know, moderation is key, right? So you can have takeaways, you can have sweet stuff, you can have all of that. Just don't do it all Just the time. Just don't do it all the time, you know? And like that's, that's the big thing. And we're, we're saying to people, it's the same as um, our meals. We're not actually encouraging people to, to eat them every single the day because yeah. it actually cooking a meal with your kid is really important or like at least you learning and spending the time to teach yourself how to cook is actually really important but for like two nights a week or if you have one night a week or just at any point in time in your life that you want to feed your kid a healthy meal but you don't have the time this is a really good option and that's we found that that was the the thing that we're solving and we're getting people we've only been open in a month and a bit um, like actually selling meals for a month and a bit, and we're, we're getting we've had customers come back three times over mm. just because they're it's obviously solving a problem for them, and that was that was all we asked of this business was to actually help people and help people solve a problem of of that feeding their kids healthy meals when they're like picking them up from daycare at four thirty and then have to get them in bed and bath and all that sort of carry on. So, yeah. Mm. Did you ever see yourself, if you think back to like your uni days, yeah, did yeah. you ever see yourself getting into a business like this? No. <laughs> no, I'm not a chef to start off with. I like, I like cooking, but I don't love cooking. I'm not like, it's not my, it's not my thing. And I've you know, obviously been talking to Nikki and Jade the other day when we were in the kitchen, which is like, would never have thought that I'd be like wearing a hairnet and apron and like cooking people meals, right? And, and setting up a business like, in a commercial kitchen let alone building a commercial kitchen like we had to we couldn't find a commercial kitchen to cook our meals in because the the regulations around feeding kids and elderly are really really strict like you need a custom food control plan so we had to go through um finding a kitchen that was able to service that need or building one and we couldn't find one because it was just it's really strict and the protocols around that were really strict so we we decided to just build it, build one. Fire out. So we built a kitchen. <laughs> so Jeez. we decided to go all in and kind of build this kitchen and then so we could actually like launch this business. So another big lesson, <laughs> underestimated the cost of things like that. Oh yeah. And time and all of that. Like, you know, if we had our time again, we would have possibly done things differently, but we're here now and, and we've launched and, you know. And I mean, I can definitely vouch you helping a lot of people, man. Like I yeah. obviously um heard about you through a conversation through a mate, but yeah. I also I've heard nothing but good stuff from all sorts of people, mm. um about what you guys are doing and how much it's helped them. Um, it seems like every kind of dinner party or because you know I'm at that age now I don't have kids yeah. myself, yeah, but all my yeah, friends yeah. have got kids. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, recently I know um a good friend of mine, a family friend of mine, she um had surgery on her hip and so she had been in hospital and obviously um being on crutches and stuff it makes it a mission for her to get around around the house so she had been to see you guys and bought a bunch of stuff yeah and that's just made it so much easier for yeah um helping out her son well she's a little bit yeah yeah you know unable to help out as much as she normally can yeah i saw her the other day she i think she came around to the kitchen to pick them up and i was because usually they um you have to order them on like Basically, you order them online, we mm. cook them and deliver them fresh, so they're not frozen. We wanted them to be as like good as possible, you know. So not that frozen food isn't good; yeah. it's just as good. But um, we wanted it to be cooked and then sent to people's houses. Then they can choose what they want to do with them. 
and yeah, and anyway, she ordered some, and it was past the cutoff date of the orders. So I was just like, just come and grab some. We'll, we'll get some for get some for you. So she turned and flipped them onto her. Yeah. So speaking, well, we talked earlier on as well about your dad being quite traditional and like mm-hmm. going to work, coming home. So has any ever been any crack up conversations or um, I don't want to say conflict, but you know, a bit of yeah, yeah. difference in perceptions and stuff with you d- d- dabbling and doing your own thing and not the traditional stuff. Yeah, I mean, possibly. I mean, we kind of, I, uh, you know, I did the traditional thing and got the got a really good job at a really good school, you know, for six years of my life and. And Nikki was the same. She was a teacher. She worked at Hamilton Boys High School. We kind of fell into that role of just working, doing a bit of travel, spending all of the money that we had. (laughs) You know, like, as you do. And I feel like, man, I feel like we spend a lot of money. You know, we we didn't even, like, spend a lot of money, but... Just when you realise what you probably could have done with it. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas now we're, like, counting every penny, you know? Because being a business owner, you just, like, every little bit of money that comes in is going to us and every little bit of money that go out goes out you ain't gonna see it again you know mm. so it's like yeah but in terms of like going back to your original question I think um, yeah definitely like these you know my parents have but my, I think my parents have passed kind of like impeding too much on, and they never really have you know they've yep. always been supportive of everything that we do and they've helped us out so much you know along the way from both sides of Nikki and mine and Nikki's parents um but the 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 decision to step out of teaching and 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 that kind of nine to five as you put it was um something that I think they they saw that I was very passionate about it anyway man and like they kind of knew that I had that kind of streak in me anyway and and I've always tried to do things a little differently yeah yeah so, little child syndrome yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, if I was trying to compete with my older sister, I was always going to lose, so I could do something different. <laughs> so you got to stand out another way. Yeah, yeah. I only say that, bro, because um, our, our stories are very similar in some yeah. of the ways we've gone about things, so that's pretty quick. What about friends and stuff? Was there any sort of... Because I know, like, with my DJing, and especially mm. when I was doing the video games, like, a lot of friends, and I actually, like, girlfriends even were like, when are you going to get a real job? Or, yeah, yeah. You know, you can't do this sort of thing forever. Yeah. That can be hard to come home to a lot of the time, yeah, you know? Yeah. And it can be a bit of a mission, or it can be hard to go out for dinner, or you just want to catch up with friends and just yeah. have a good sit-down, and they might make little comments and stuff like that. Do you yeah, guys yeah. have ever have to... Bro, honestly, a lot of our friends that we've gone to university and, like, we've become really good friends with, most of them are just proud, you know? Most of them are just, like... Yeah, there's that too, yeah, for sure. Yeah, like, That you've got the balls to do it. Yeah, most of them are just, like, a little bit envious as well, you know? But I think everyone reaches a point where there's a there's a bit of a, 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 bit of a leap of faith that you need to take, and you probably know this as well and then you've reached that point and most people won't take that leap mm. and I think it does take a lot of balls to like to cross that chasm because it's a big gaping hole right mm. to like go from being really steady to then jumping into something that you don't know what the outcome's going to be takes like a lot of balls and that and also just probably a lot of confidence in your idea and belief probably more than anything I think yeah we Nikki and I both believed and Dan and I too as well with Monarchy we both believed that it was a good good idea and a good product I mean we can believe in everything but if other people don't believe in it yeah, yeah. it doesn't matter but we, we yeah we, I mean and it's taken a lot of work and it still is going to take a lot of work for these businesses to grow to a point where I'd be like happy yeah. you know or satisfied that they are they are like they realise like, their full potential they realise yeah. their full potential right and like at the moment they're both in their infancy so it's like really exciting and we're definitely not rolling in it. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But it's like it's it's super exciting, yeah. And it's something I'm we're both like super passionate about. Speaking of like you you mentioned rolling in it. <laughs> I, and and I don't know how you feel about it, but mm. I once again at the gym this morning when I was having a conversation with a friend, she's self employed too and yeah, does bits and pieces and um we were kind of I guess having a bit of a whinge like is there a lot of misconception that when you are self-employed that you are rolling in it oh, a lot of the time yeah, yeah. and like a lot of people don't understand that your income's more inconsistent you don't have that wage that's definitely yeah. coming in every week you know, you know yeah. your wages or you, what you're paying yourself is a lot more inconsistent and a yeah. bit that's for do you think that's fair to say yeah and I feel like with a lot of entrepreneurs 
there's just that, and they're probably all synthesized with this, there's always like this over, I don't know, there's something there all the time that's always like, you need to make sure that there's sales this week, or you need to always make sure that there's something going on in the future, and how's this going to grow, and there's like a little voice that always talks to you, and I reckon that's the stressful thing about being a entrepreneur, is trying to shut that voice switching up. Switching off, yeah. And switching that off. Because even on holiday, coming up for two or three weeks, we're going to take some time off and just relax because it's been pretty hectic for mm. the last six months. But I, I even though, in you that time, that voice. <laughs> it's still going to be there, right? So you've got to learn to like try and take that away and push that aside a little bit. Um, but that's probably the, the, the hardest thing about being an entrepreneur. Like, it's probably like going home after a day's work of teaching or whatever it is people choose to do with their lives and then being like, kick back, I'm going to be getting that money in my bank account. I know that's going to be coming in because I'm employed and, you know, where's at the moment? You know, it's still... Anybody's guess. Yeah, it could grow really big. It could just stay where it is. It could... You could have a good week and a bad week, which we do, you know, even at this point in time. So, so there's... One thing I'll ask you, and this has just come to me now, there's someone probably listening that has an idea yeah. that they're sitting on. Yeah. Um, what should they do? They've been sitting on it for, let's say, a year, two years. Because yeah, I know yeah. I've got stuff that I've been sitting on. For, like this podcast, for example. Yeah, I've been yeah, wanting to do yeah. this for nearally three, four years. Yeah, I, and, oh, and probably yeah. the only reason why I'm sitting here doing it now is because one, I've had a couple of good mates that have consistently said, when are you doing it? When are yeah. you doing it? So they've held yeah. me accountable, you know? It's been really, really good. Um, but then a lot of other synchronicities lined up too where I kind of yeah, couldn't really deny like, okay, this is what I need to be doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, for, for someone that's sitting out there who's been sitting on there, what would be your, I don't know, two or three pieces of advice as a serial entrepreneur? Yeah, yeah. Oh, seriously, tell everyone about it. Yeah. Because then if everyone knows about it, you're way more likely to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Even before it's a well-thought-out plan, well, just the idea? Well, yeah, when I say everyone, tell, tell all of your close friends about it. And flesh it out with people because the more people you talk about an idea with, the more angles it can be approached. Like, you know, you can approach it from different angles, different viewpoints. I always send this to people like, you are who you are. You only ever know what you know. And your attitude towards something, whether that be political or, or anything, your attitude towards anything is <clears throat> shaped by the person that you are and everything that you ever have ever been taught and know. Where someone else might see it from a totally different angle. And you, you look at anything political in this day and age and people are going to be looking at it from different angles. And they, they you know, that causes friction. Whereas yeah, like yeah. An, an idea can be looked at at different angles and instead of like seeing that as being friction, you just be like, actually, let me put myself in their shoe and like think of it from that angle. And if I get enough people thinking of it from that angle, there's a market there. Yep. You know, and then that's your idea. And you just got to follow your nose with your idea because, you know, the idea of Eat a Rainbow was, you know, trying to, it was, it was simple. We just want to make it easy for busy parents to feed their kids healthy food. And so you just kind of you just stay true to that core idea and then you just find different ways to do it. And other people will always give you good feedback. Yeah. But also it's, it's, um, Probably more than anything, of people who did have an idea, it's like, just, yeah, like I say, flesh it out with people, get it to a point where, you know, you can actually justify kind of throwing yourself into it a little bit more, start it as a side hustle, and then kind of see how that goes. Um, if you can start it as a side hustle, do that. Yeah. Um, and by I'm, that you mean, like... Still, obviously, stay in yeah. your, your job, your regular income, and just <coughs> spend a couple of hours after work, or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, 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 like, talk about it fully with, if you have a partner, talk about it fully with them, because if they're earning money, and they're happy for you to start doing this on the side, and take away time with you, like, that's really important as well, like, you have to have the support of a person that you're with, if you are with a person, you know, because... If you are, if they don't support you in your idea, then that's just going to cause like conflict because of time, um, income, you know, household income. If you if you guys, are, you know, and if if you don't have anyone, then um, go hard. Go hard. <laughs> like, who else? Are you like you know, like your time is your own. So yeah, go for it. Like yeah, why not? There needs to be more people trying different things in the world. Oh, for but sure. New Zealand, New Zealanders, I I find are, are so supportive. It's funny, like even 
especially in the tourism game, like we, we went into that thinking that everyone's just competing for clients, but it's not the case. Like everyone's actually in New Zealand anyway, it's like super supportive. Even your competitors are supporting you because mm. they want the whole industry to be better off. And I feel like, um, do you think that's always been the case or do you think there's a change know. in attitude that's happening? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like New Zealand, uh, New Zealand's a place in, that I've found anyway, and I've spoken to a lot of other entrepreneurs as well, that it's really easy. It's an easy place to start a business because people are open to new ideas here. Um, it's really hard to break down stigmas here though, like, mm. um, and kind of get people to buy into a new idea if it's too novel and yeah. too, like... I mean, like, take podcasting, for example, like, it's taken off, right? It's taken mm. off all around the world, and I, I love it. I listen to heaps of different podcasts. And it's been around for a long time, it's but it's been still around for ages, not really, yeah, yeah, and it's still not mainstream. It's almost like, and this is just me thinking on the fly as we talk now, it's almost like if we don't come up with the idea, it takes us a long time to adopt it. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I talk about New Zealand. We're like, the late majority on the bell curve of innovation, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. Or some, but sometimes we're you know sometimes we're early yeah and if it's, that's what I mean if it's our idea yeah. we're all about it but if it's not then it takes us ages exactly. to, to jump yeah. on yeah because you know New Zealand's known for its ingenuity and having to do things because we're so far away from the rest yeah. of the world if we did it yeah so if we've done it <laughs> yeah, yeah all over it but yeah. if it's kind of something that's come from somewhere else if we use you know podcasting or even if I think of streaming music you know yeah. when I was living in the UK and stuff there were all sorts that's of services of work, yeah. whereas now it's yeah, Spotify and stuff. You're yeah. kind of weird if you don't have it, sort of thing. So yeah, yeah. It's funny. I've only just realised that now as I talk. Yeah, you, so. and it's a big, yeah. I guess for those, like it's a big leap for a consumer to to buy into a new idea or like brand. Probably like people have their own brandscape, right? And like there's like fifty or well, I don't know how many brands that you like, you're loyal to, and like you you are gonna always buy into their idea of their business, right? And then to break into people's brandscape is like really. Mm. really hard as a new business but once you're in there you know and people people will and it grows like you know that word of mouth and everything that just grows organically in New Zealand we're such a small place you can't you can't do anything like you just have to be good to everyone yeah as you say you just <laughs> gotta be above board yeah as soon as you burn yeah. someone then it's <laughs> yeah, you can almost burn the whole territory it. yeah 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 Sweet, man. And I know one big thing um, you wanted to touch on as well is um, what your mum's going through. It oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, perhaps shed some... I have to admit, man, I'm I'm, I'm interested because yeah. I don't know much about yeah. um, the whole thing. Yeah. So, you know, I, my first instinct, obviously, um, when we chatted about having and I sit down today, my first instinct was to Google it and learn about it. But yeah, I was like, no, nah, actually, I'm going to leave it and kind yeah, of cool. hear about it firsthand from yourself. So, yes, yeah, maybe fill us in about what's, what's been happening there. Yeah, so that's just like a, it's like, it's funny because everyone seems to have health stories about their family. It's like, mm. it's crazy, yeah, you know, like, and everyone's going through their own struggles with different things. But yeah, For but, sure, but um, yeah. yeah, you know, just, um, I was having a chat in the barbershop the other day and I still think it's, it's good to talk about everything that's going fully, on and, yeah, I fully and kind of not worry about the comparison too much, you know, like, yeah. you know, if, whether you're drowning in two inches of water or 20 feet of water, you're totally. still drowning and we can all pull each other up. But yeah, but yeah sorry, for the strength there. And, yeah. No, no, and I totally agree. And I reckon discussion is, is just the best way to like get a, get awareness, right, about, about, about anything, you know, mm. you look at you know, all, the, all the talk at the moment about you know, mental health and all that sort of stuff, I just think it's so good to be talking about it. Yeah, I mean, but, that's a, and that's definitely a big factor into, once again, why I wanted to do the podcast. Yeah. Too, because, yeah. um, and as we say, there's a lot of people who aren't talking and if we yeah. can start certain conversations and I guess be a bit vulnerable. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And hopefully it encourages other people to do the same. Yeah, totally, man. So, yeah, I mean, my, my mum's been diagnosed with Huntington's, Huntington's disease and so it's basically a brain degenerative disease if you don't know much about it. It's like similar to um, dementia and Parkinson's. You've got those two, put them together, you've got Huntington's. So right. it's like, it's, yeah, it attacks your brain. It's, um, it's, a, it's passed on through your genes. Um, so her mum had it. She inherited it. Yep, mm-hmm. so her mum had it. And obviously we don't know um, from then on in because records don't go back that far and Huntington's is a relatively new concept in New Zealand that's growing massively um, because it's a 50-50 chance if, if one of your, if your parent has it then it's 50-50 chance that, that you'll have it mm-hmm. um, so yeah so she's had that she got diagnosed with it actually my 
my nana, um, she had, she died from it. We didn't realize what she had died from, but she she um yeah. So she, she obviously had it. Mum realized that she had it after nana had already passed away, um, and it's something that um, comes on at different stages of people's lives. So it's a basically it's a gene re- mutation, um, and it yeah. But your brain just starts wasting away, and you start having all these different symptoms from shaking to really like depressive thought thoughts and like um, oh, right. to um your cognitive abilities are gone um you know these, these are the worst case um situations yeah. of of the, of the of the disease mum isn't at that stage how was it discovered in your mum like how did you guys click that she <laughs> um so you just do a blood test oh, yeah. basically so but um because we found out nana had a blood test oh you wouldn't have got mum tested yeah, because, yeah oh yeah. okay and so so nana, nana had a blood test before she died and then she she passed away and then um we found out she had it after she had died so then i was like okay well let's start finding out whether or not we have it but then so you everyone got checked and uh yeah there's a bit of a um ethical or moral like decision to choose whether or not you find out whether you have it or not okay just because um well <laughs> there's been a lot of, a lot of discussion around this because and you got to tread kind of carefully as well because people can choose to do whatever they want to do mm-hmm. and whether they they choose to find out they have it or not it's like finding out how you're going to die essentially so some people don't want to know that right yeah. and that's fully respect that for sure um but it's also um it's one of those things that you can't avoid so it's like finding out you're going to get something but you can't do anything about it mm-hmm. as well there's absolutely no cure for it and there's absolutely no cure on the horizon for it apart from kind of gene editing and stuff like that which eventually may eventuate i don't know but um but um yeah at this stage not in our lifetime nah so i mean it's it's so there's that question and then there's also the question of passing it on so whether or not you want to know that you're going to be passing it on to your kids is another thing so um and there are technologies available obviously like um ivf and stuff like yeah, that yeah. can prevent you from doing that doing that yeah but it's all it's all a personal choice right and crazy then, i would never have seen i would have like you would have thought just just find out yeah yeah yeah, yeah for yeah, sure for yeah. sure but it makes sense now you're completely saying it to me yeah um yeah, but I would have thought, well, I want to know, so let's go. But obviously, yeah. I'm just one person. Yeah. And I never considered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, that exactly. It's like everyone sees things from a different angle, mm. and so I'm talking about things is good. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you learn these things. And anyway, um, yeah, so mum has it, and she is um, slowly starting to show sign, but not. She's still really good. She's really with it, and not. She doesn't have any any obvious symptoms, um, outward yeah. symptoms of, of, of her disease yet but it's just one of those things that I we talk about a lot in our family because mm-hmm. we're real open about it not all of our extended family but um, my immediate family we are we've all been tested I don't have it so we've all gone through the testing me and my two sisters and we don't have it so that was like we a bit of a miracle that we yeah, yeah. had a 50-50 chance of all of us having it you know so but it's and one of those zero from three yeah, yeah, it's like the odds of that are pretty low, man, mm. and, and we're, we're extremely fortunate, and I know there's others out there that aren't, and, you know, there's, yeah, it's not an easy thing to live with, and it's actually growing massively around New Zealand, because people don't know that their parents have it, and, and um, or it's kind of just kind of coming to light now, and there's not a lot of um, kind of attention around Huntington's disease. Yeah. People know what Parkinson's is. Like a lot yeah, well, you mean you, the two examples you used. You used yeah. Parkinson's and dementia. Yeah. And I know those two. Yeah, well, exactly. You're saying that this is some it's sort like of them combination kind of, of, yeah. of both, like very loosely a combination of them. But yeah, and I say that to people just because they usually they know, know those, those two, two so it's relative. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the way, and, and this is, like I said, this is my first time learning about it and, and talking about it with you, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I'm understanding, is you said it's a brain yeah. degenerative yeah. disease. Yeah. Um, so things just slowly start switching off. Yeah, because yep. I know dementia more deals with I guess um your memories and stuff like yep. that, and Parkinson's is your actual functionality. Yeah, those things yeah. happening far out. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, so it's all of it, and it's um, yeah, it's one of those things that like I say, it doesn't have heaps of attention at the moment, but there's a lot of kind of research being done at the moment. We dived into something that my mum was super passionate about, and there was a, the Maori woman actually um, um associated with um. Or with her PhD, was uh, she created this um, study which tried to help prevent the degeneration of your brain 
And so it was a, it was called Fight Huntington's study. And it was um, basically train your brain to make it stronger. Mm. And so we became part of um, that study. And mum was involved in that study. A lot of other families were involved in that study. And it was actually a Māori-focused study. Even though mum's not Māori, she was involved with she got Māori kids. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but she... Um, she um, she's not Māori, but she's Māori. She's not Māori, but she's Māori. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, the, the reason that it's a Māori-based study, actually, um, through a spanner in the works, well, not spanner, but is because that's the only way that she could have gotten funding for it. So it was, it's one of those things, like, she, you know, she and, and she really wanted to help out Māori yeah, families sure. that were, like, that were suffering from Huntington's disease. And um, there are there are families in Taranaki that are, like, it's quite that's quite prevalent through mm. Taranaki as well. And it's like, so, so I met some of them involved in the study. Well, mum, mum also, because she was way more involved in it. But essentially, we had to wake up every morning and do half an hour of brain training every single morning. For What sort of things? For like half a year, like six months. Far out. It was like playing these online games. But it was like brain training games. It was meant to be brain training games. And so <laughs> the funny thing is, is, in a research study like this, it's... There's obviously like um, you get the real training and you get the placebo training because ah. they need to show that. And then we have MRIs on our brains. We do all these like scans and like so they need to show like these tests, these baseline tests about how we can like cognitively solve problems and like use our body and stuff. And so they needed to like and so turns out I was on the placebo after oh. a long, but it's it's fine after six like, months. After six months, <laughs> of waking up every morning, sitting my alarm and doing this crazy, but it was still good. Like I would have. It was just um, exercises specifically to fight the things that um, um, that Huntington's effects in your brain was this, um, yeah, which is what it was. It was designed to do basically, and then on this side, it wasn't designed to kind of uh, fight those. Yeah, yeah. Fight those things. So I was doing the thing that it wasn't. <laughs> but <laughs> what a crack! Yeah, it turns out after six months, of food, I was like, no. <laughs> I'm still dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get any of the training. Yeah. Oh, crack yeah. up. So, I mean, what what can people do to help them, like with um with with the whole movement or you know? What? Yeah, honestly, I think it's just like spreading awareness. I mean, there's nothing you could like people. Well, every Joe blogs like we we can't do anything to to stop it from happening apart from like making it normal, and not and not stigmatizing the disease, but then. Also, those people that may think they have it in their family is to like decide whether or not you want to find out that you have it or not, mm. because it's a decision to find out. Like I said before, whether you have it, because that's a big decision. And the funny thing is, and we discussed this for a long time, the decision was made for us. Like we almost didn't decide that night. My nana found out that she had it, so the decision was taken away from us as soon as she found out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it was like. It was obviously in our family now. We even couldn't decide whether or not. It was just decide whether or not I want to find out I have it or not. Well, I know it's in the family. When you had that discussion as a family about finding out or not finding out, was it like we either going to all do it together or not do it together, or every individual was entitled no, to do what they wanted to yeah, do? Yeah, it was every individual. And like, um, you know, Nikki, my wife, she she wasn't keen to find out initially, so it took a bit of convincing. Convincing. But my two sisters found out before me, and we were kind of debating, debating discussing yeah yeah <laughs> discussing probably more than debating because I wanted to find out um, but the odds weren't good <laughs> well the odds were still 50-50 yeah but um, but because my two sisters were clear I was like somehow I found that I felt yeah, yeah, it didn't change but, but I hadn't it was still 50-50 yeah. yeah but I mean obviously yeah that I understand where you're coming yeah. from too because 50-50 yeah. chances two out of three yeah yeah, like, yeah, hey, yeah you yeah. feel like it kind of slows sums yeah. down a bit funnels down but anyway, it's more the awareness and just people who are hearing about it and knowing about it and um, in terms of supporting it, it's, I mean, if you, if you feel like there might be something kind of, you know, you hear about, because we, we always heard about other random aunties who were, they were crook clusters, like these crazy great aunties and things like that, but they had Huntington's disease. We mm. just, we didn't know it. You know, they died of that. You know, we just thought they were alcoholics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, but they actually had something seriously wrong with them. Yeah. So there you go. Don't don't hate on your crazy aunties. They might have something going. We've all got crazy aunties. We've all got them. Maybe maybe they should be tested. 
But, but the only question I really ask my each guest that um sits down with me is there's someone who's listening right now. Yeah. Um, they're not feeling the greatest. They've got a lot going on. They they get stressed out, or you know, especially this this time of year. Uh, I know a lot of people see it as a jolly happy time, but it can be really stressful for yeah, people too. Oh yeah. Um, so someone who's feeling down in the dumps, <clears throat> what would your advice be to someone who's going through a bit of struggle at the moment? They they're feeling a bit down. What would be your process of writing the ship so to speak or what sort of advice would you give someone yeah probably like i mean i just talk to people <laughs> you know like i mean that's big for me i mean i've got friends and like i i myself am i'm very fortunate with my life that i have i know i've got a beautiful family and like very supportive family and and that's why you know like i say like you said i see christmas as a very I've just got nothing but happy memories about Christmas, but I know that there are so many people out there that don't have that, mm. and I've got like very close friends that suffer from you know really, really deep depression and mental illness, and like, and the best thing that they've done is like just keep con keep in con like keep in contact with people and just keep talking to people, you know like lean on those people that you can rely on or that you feel like you can rely on anyway, and just just don't lose contact like even and for those people that know people like that as well um just message them like and give them contact like there's no there's no better feeling than someone messaging you out of the blue and saying what up how are you i reckon even me like i, I love it when people randomly yeah, yeah, think sure. of me so do i you know yeah, yeah. Like, it's so good and it's that's like, i have to admit like i've had um ego about it in the past where like i've thought of like a mate even like so the other day I messaged a guy I worked with in Australia three years ago Yeah, we hadn't spoken in a bit but I just thought of him and yeah. I was just like for ages I sat there on yeah. the though like is he going to find it weird yeah is, yeah. It, is it a bit out of it yeah. like all these sort of weird things that you tell yourself and then as you say you know I guess you could see that as kind of the cliff or the gap yeah like, you got to cross yeah, yeah. and I was just like yeah. oh, what's the harm it can do you know so I just shot him a message well that's the question to ask what is the harm mm. there's absolutely no harm only good can come from that that right there episode 15 of the best side podcast catching up with the bro Hemi coach serial entrepreneur originally coming out of Kobido and moving on to some massive things in the community I doubt that is uh, the last time that we'll ever hear from that bro in regards to all the mahi that he is up to. You probably can guess it by the sound of it. He is, I wouldn't say addicted, um, but he loves the thrill of the chase when it comes to uh, getting these businesses off the ground and obviously probably probably a little bit in there of a bit of a red bull as well. Doing the things that people tell us we should not be doing or cannot be doing. Things like uh, he's similar to myself and that he gets a bit of a thrill when it comes to that sort of thing. So make sure you check out edarainbow.co.nz. You can actually, actually catch the bro uh, hemicoats.com. If you go and check him out, he is uh, hireable for your weddings, all sorts of functions. The bro plays a pretty mean guitar uh, and loves to entertain people. So make sure you check that out as well. Thank you for listening. As always, please leave a review. Check us out on Instagram, Facebook, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you can find the review section. Please do leave us your feedback, even if it's something you don't like or something you disagree with. We're all about having the conversations that need to be happening. So make sure you let us know if there's something that you think we should be addressing or perhaps something that you disagree with what we're up to. Or, of course, if you're loving what we're doing, let us know that as well. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode.